Hello, and welcome to Faith, Fitness, and French Toast. As always, I'm your host, Moses Allwood. I want to warmly welcome you back to the podcast. The purpose of this podcast is simple, to encourage, empower, and inspire athletes of all walks of life in their strength endeavors, faith walk, and of course, their best options for post-workout late-night meals. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Skull Smash Ammonia, Royal Grip Chalk, Primate Apparel, and Crocata Strength for their consistent support and encouragement. For the best hard-hitting ammonia in the game, there's none better than Steve at Skull Smash. If you're looking to hit a brutal pull and need that added grip, Raw Grip's Liquid Chalk is the highest quality on the market right now. If you're looking for no BS training and a team that'll stand by you through all the ups and downs, shoot a DM over to Croqueta Strength on Instagram. Send them a screenshot of you subscribing to the podcast on Spotify and take 10% off your template programming. Tell them I sent you. And I'll swear by this. We are humble, but we are savage. Primate Apparel's mentality of sticking to your guns and standing up to those who do you ill is a vital part of my training. And you can head over to any of those Instagram pages to get some products. This afternoon, I'm sitting down with Adam Field, president and CEO, co-founder of 8 Man Strong. Adam and his brother Noah founded 8 Man Strong back in 2014. They had a vision of creating a company and a brand that would be empowering strength athletes and fighting athletes. They wanted to create something in which people who weren't even inherently that top 1% athlete could still feel as though the negative experiences they'd gone through, the moments of pain, bullying, strife, trauma that they'd gone through were opportunities for them to grow and become stronger. And so Eight Man Strong was born and it's gone on to become one of the biggest apparel brands in the industry. And so I'm very excited to share this interview with you and just a, a candid conversation with Adam about its own creation, about how Eight Man came about, a little bit of the background into some of those top phrases that a lot of y'all will be wearing on your t-shirts. And just some practical tips as well, moving forward uh, in the midst of a pandemic, not only as a business, but as an athlete, you don't want to miss it. And without further ado, please sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Adam, what is going on, brother? How are you, man? Hey, I'm good. I'm, I'm glad we're able to make this happen. I feel like we're, we're so close together in Phoenix and Salt Lake, but for whatever reason, you're still an hour behind me. Yeah, we're, well, Arizona never changes their clocks, so sometimes I'm with you, I think, and other times I'm behind you. It just depends on the time of the year. Yeah, it tripped me out. You were like, yeah, I think I'm an hour behind you, so when I was scheduling in my head, I'm like, man, I, am I an hour ahead of him? Like, are we on the same time? And right. I, yeah, that's, Even I, I don't know if I can hold me. off. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where they decided, but Arizona just wild west. They're like, we're not changing our clocks. So I've never, I was born and raised here, my brother and I. I don't know anything about daylight savings time. Everyone's always talking about we got to change our clocks a couple times a year. We never do anything here. We just stay the same. Yeah, I yeah. It's the it's the stubbornness of those Arizonans. Right. Like, hey, no, why would we change for the world? We're we're just gonna stay the same time. <laughs> oh man. Well, so I've been so eager to have this conversation. You know, such a long time. I know Eight Man has become just a prominent brand, and especially coming right off the last episode, I feel like I'm going on this gorilla theme of the last episode was with Primate Apparel. So okay. I'm I'm just going after all of the monkey brands that I can find in the <laughs> industry. So if you know any others. I guess I'll just go for them next. But right. 
So obviously a lot of people know all about the brand. Um, but you know, for the guys behind the brand for you and your brother, I wonder just kind of on the front end, if you could just share a little bit about how even the idea for eight man came about in the first place. So yeah, I can take you back. Jeez. I'm trying to think we started, I believe October, November, October of 2014. So yeah, it's been almost like six years now, I guess this month. So I had started out, um, after college, which was way back in 97. I'm 46 years old, so I've been in business for a while. In 97, I graduated ASU and I went into basically real estate and finance. And I did that for a long time. I did it through the 2008 crash. And up until my brother and I, Noah, started this business, um, I was doing that. What happened was the economy collapsed. I had to start to downsize the real estate firm that I had built during the boom. And I was kind of just in this weird um, place of like not really knowing who I was anymore. I think you, when you're so entrenched in what your work is, and a lot of us are, especially for workaholic type personality, um, you become entrenched and it becomes your identity. And to like mm-hmm. lose that at the time was kind of traumatic, I guess, looking back at the t- when it's happening, you're just going through them. You're just going through it, right? Like any storm that you're in, but looking back, it was pretty traumatic. So I'd kind of like, lost my way. And to be honest with you, I think in real estate, so my brother and I grew up here in West Phoenix, um, kind of a blue collar upbringing, um, family and construction, auto parts, things like that. That's really my roots, hardworking, sun up till sundown type mentality. All my friends, we grew up with same type of uh, family structure and homes and things like that. So to graduate college and go into real estate, I kind of moved away from that identity a little bit. It's a little more white collar. I'm wearing a tire every day to work. I'm carrying, I'm worried about what type of briefcase I own. I have a suit, you know, for every day of the week, that type of thing. And I kind of lost my roots, I think a little bit during that. So when it all fell apart and I'm sitting there with like, none of that really left, you start to go like, geez, I really kind of got away from who I was. So my brother had, since high school, he's four years younger than me. He had started a t-shirt printing company, um, just screen printing, just businesses. So landscapers, construction companies, whatever. And he's been doing that this entire time. He was doing that even then. So when I had lost my income and my business, I started coming down here. He was already in this building where eight man is now Mm -hmm. printing. And I started coming down here in the afternoons and, screen printing with them, pulling shirts off the press and just for hourly money so I could buy groceries and things like that. And in doing that, we had, he had built this little gym in the front and I called it at the time, the world's worst gym. It was like, there's no, there's no air, there's no coolers. There's really, we had like lamps on the floor. There was no overhead light. (laughs) And we're in Arizona where it's super hot. So it was hot as could be. The weights were all stuff he had acquired off a Craigslist for free and things like that (laughs) on the floor, old benches. But we had always loved working out from the time we were little. So we got back into every day we'd print and then we'd start working out. Okay. And I started to get back to kind of that mentality of the the weightlifting and the struggle. And I'm going through this financial struggle for myself. And we kind of just started to talk about doing our own apparel brand at that point. And really the mindset then, it really wasn't the initial 
conversations were not just about physical strength or powerlifting, which is where we ultimately started to go into when we started. Mm-hmm. It was just the mentality, kind of that old school fight mentality. Shit is going to happen in your life that you don't want. You're going to have struggles and issues and suffering, and you have to have the mental strength to go through it. And it felt like a lot of my business partners that I had, a couple of my business partners and other people in the industry just kind of, they don't have, they didn't have that. They were like, they were drinking every day all of a sudden. They were like just giving up on things, if that makes sense to you, not really like in the fight anymore. And, and it's hard. Like I had days I just sat in my car. Like I didn't know what to even do with myself for hours. I just sit there like, I don't even know. I didn't have a job to go to. So I understand it, but really that was the mentality of eight, man. It was just like this old school, you're going to fight through things no matter what comes your way and make it out at some point. That was kind of the, I guess the start of the brand. So my brother is super artistic and really free spirited and laid back. And I'm kind of that other type A personality. Go <laughs> right. Yesterday is not fast enough. So sometimes, <laughs> but he starts like, we start trying to come up with names for the brand and he came up with the name eight man. Um, not, you'd have to ask him, I guess. I don't even know. If, you know, we had a board with like 50 names on it. So we had all kinds of options, not just about monkeys like you talked about earlier. <laughs> it was all these different names and, and ideas. And anyway, we came up with Ape Man and he kind of drew up this logo, which you have on your shirt there. I see on the video. People can't see the video though on here, but the monkey face. And I'm like, yeah, put that on a shirt. Like, let's see what it looks like. So he, you know, we print a couple because we have the whole press here. We do everything in house. He, he puts it on a screen. And we print it on a shirt. Well, I'm like needing money. I got to make this thing go. Like I, he's comfortable right. living his life and printing and doing his thing. Like that's how he is. And I just start like putting the shirt on. I create a website. I start putting the shirt, you know, on Instagram, which I didn't know anything about. I never had an Instagram, but I I started one for Eight Man. I start sending it out to powerlifters like you're talking earlier to me about um, before we got on about how you would just DM me and say, do you want to be on the podcast? I was the same thing with the shirts. Like, do you want free shirt? And people are very receptive to that. Mm-hmm. So my brother's like, what the hell are you doing? Like to him, the logo was not even done at the time. <laughs> right. I'm not done with that logo. I don't think he'd ever be done. He's a perfectionist with those type of things. We'd probably still be designing the logo, but I go, this doesn't matter. Like, I got to pay the bills and eat, but we're like sending this stuff out. Like I'm ready to go. So that was really the start of eight man. And it was his idea. We were already down here weightlifting and really kind of, we'd never competed in powerlifting, but we were training power. Like we liked, we just liked powerlifting, deadlifting the squat. Like we had been like watching YouTube videos and learning about the sport long before we really started eight man. And his thought was, there's not really a brand at that time that we saw that was really focused on powerlifting community. So we said, we're going to do this eight man strong. And that's really where we started to direct our attention was the powerlifting community. And that's really where we started. And that's still our base and really our love as, as weekend warrior athlete guys. Yeah. Well, cause I know a lot of, quote unquote, fitness brands have been so much more focused towards, you know, the bodybuilding, the gym shark, you know, it's the, it's the classic physique. I feel like the LA kind of fit group. So creating a brand that was more the, the, uh, the beer gut steroid filled, angry headbangers, dishwash, you know, the, the the Pete Rubish series kind of basement type mentality. 
you know, I literally right before the call was watching the old powerlifting mentality thing, yeah. which Mark Bell's pretty much saying he's like a dude said, Hey, why are you guys ignoring your CNS? And he goes, No, man, fuck your elbow. Who cares? Like he's oh, like, man. we're all gonna die. He's like, I'm gonna die a savage. So creating a brand to embody that mentality. I mean, it sounds like you guys pretty much hedged the market when you came out with it. Yeah, and at the time, if you remember, it's not as popular now, but you know, looking back six years ago, whenever it was, I'm trying to think. I mean, CrossFit was huge. Like a lot of brands were trying to, even in powerlifting a little bit, were trying to like get the CrossFit athletes in their shirt. They had bigger followings on social media. Mm-hmm. Like, Bodybuilding is a bigger sport, tons of following. And I think a lot of brands look at who can we get in our shirt? How big is your social media following? Right. And we've never done that. Like, I don't really care so much about your social media following. I care about your mentality and are you in a sport that we enjoy and that we relate to and do you match really our brand and maybe something you've overcome in your life or what you fought through or where you what you're fighting through currently. And that's really all we've ever looked at as far as getting people in our shirts. I mean I will see a video of someone that what they post something of something they're going through, they're sick, they had something, we'll write them and send them care packages all the time. And it has nothing to do with really sponsorship or trying to get people to see them wearing our shirt or I just love like you match what my belief is in life and I want you to wear my shirt. I mean, that's really as simple as that. That's kind of what it's come down to. And and over time, we've built our own following in social media by posting those type of people. So I've never really built my social media or even focused on building. I know a lot of people are focused on their social media and like how many followers you have versus this company. I'm more focused on how many people are wearing my shirt. I don't really care. (laughs) I have one follower on my social media. Like it's cool for status symbol. And like you, like we talked about again earlier, you go to like a a Mr. Olympia or a poverty meeting and people recognize you because they follow you on social media. But to me, I'd rather have them recognize the brand. Yeah. That's what I care about. Yeah. Well, and the brand's what's going to last longer. You know, right. if I had a dollar for every time I said Instagram's going to die here in a few years <laughs> and something else is going to come, like, right. it's the same people that are like, Facebook's going to last forever. And I'm like, well, Facebook's now just being used by your aunts and uncles trying to check in on right. what you were doing in college. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. like, something new is going to come up. So sure. establishing a brand where people are relating to the mentality as opposed to just being like, oh, look, they have a ton of followers. They must have good stuff. Yeah, I agree with you. I always think, we started with with Instagram. It was kind of newer when we started or was starting to grow and we grew with it. And really kind of when we started, Twitter, I think, might have been a little bit bigger than Instagram, which now it's not. I don't – by numbers, I would guess. But I agree with you. Like something eventually is going to come along in Instagram. I know all of us are – well, I'm not young anymore, but a lot of you guys are young on Instagram and it's like the thing. But you're going to be 30 and 40 soon too. And then your kids are like the next generation are going to look at you like Instagram is for old people. Like we yeah. Facebook. It happens. Yeah. And it happens really quick in life. So hopefully like whatever the next social media is, we get on there and continue to have a presence. I think it's important. I mean, it's free marketing, right? Like as a business, you got to utilize it. But to put your focus on that and building like a certain platform versus building your brand is – it might not even be a mistake short term, but long term, it's not going to, it's going to be a mistake. Yeah, for sure. Well, so backtracking a little bit, maybe all the way to your very beginning roots. You know, I even wonder outside of eight man itself, right. how did you get involved in lifting itself? I know I I said before we started airing, you know, I did my research on like some of your right. idols and stuff when you were younger, you know, the, the incredible Hulk, the Lou Ferrigno kind of <laughs> mindset, you know. all that stuff. That's yeah. <laughs> 
all all of my my deep searches I do before I interview people. But yeah, like what was the draw for you into strength training itself? Bro, I don't even know how that Incredible Hulk stuff started. So I was born in 74. I'm trying to think when Lou Ferrigno, this is the old Incredible Hulk series, came out on television, maybe 77-ish. Like I was probably three or four years old. And I remember sitting in our first house that I was born in. Um, I didn't grow up in that house. We ended up moving, but I moved when I was four. So I know it was before I was four weeks. I remember sitting in that living room like the opening scene of The Incredible Hulk. If you guys haven't seen it, probably a lot of your listeners have not. It's like it was Lou Ferrigno. It was a different character. Um, but then like a, his car rolls over in the opening scene. And like it's when the music playing the show and the credits of the show about to start. And then he like turns into the Incredible Hulk on camera. Like his eyes turn green and then the, they put the makeup on Lou Ferrigno. Obviously they paint him green. And he's like this mon- – I remember being scared to death as a kid. But I, I wanted to watch it like kind of hiding your eyes but like super just – I like obsessed with that whole scene in Lou Frigno. So I used to watch the Incredible Hulk as a kid. And then my grandmother who passed away and my mother will tell stories about I'd be at school getting picked on or whatever. And I'd come home and I'd say, they didn't know, it, but I almost turned into the Incredible Hulk. Like I thought I was going to be the Incredible Hulk. I thought like I could get angry enough to turn into him when I was four or five years old. Like I could like just enrage myself to like grow these muscles. So I was I was obsessed with that as a four or five year old, and I was not a big kid. I'm still I'm I'm five ten now, so I'm not like an overly huge person. But as a kid, I was really small. I was always like the kid in the front row of the pictures in the class and stuff like that. I was always one of the smaller kids in the class, and I was young. Like I graduated high school, I was still seventeen, so I was younger and smaller in all my grades. I was obsessed with Incredible Hulk early on, and then. Rocky, the Rocky movies came out. Again, they came out around the same time. I want to say the first Rocky might have been 76. So I don't remember so much Rocky 1 or even really kind of Rocky 2, but Rocky 3. I don't know what year mm-hmm. you know. Um, I was probably 9 or 10 years old when Rocky 3 came out. And oh my gosh, like that movie. I still watch it constantly to this day. Like I will watch Rocky 3, Rocky 4. Those are my two favorite. I think Rocky 3 is probably the best Rocky. I'll watch the creeds. I love the creeds now, but something about that opening scene, Eye of the Tiger with Rocky and, and, you know, he's like living the life. He'd already become champion. Sylvester mm-hmm. in the movie. And he's already famous from the struggles of his whole upbringing in Rocky one, Rocky two. But then there was Clubber Lang who was like hungry and wanted to get that title. If you remember, and he's in the mm-hmm. garage or like, all by himself doing the pull-ups with the ropes around the, the wood beam. And he's like angry and, oh man, I just like the idea of being alone in a gym in the dark, just training and chasing down. Well, not like the heavyweight title or a boxing match or, oh man, I was like obsessed with that whole thing too. I thought that is like awesome. Like I've always loved that mentality. I talked about this. I talked to Brian Shaw about this. Who's like, the world's strongest man so many times over because we've done sponsorships with him. And the idea that like, I understand these athletes and we have to post on social media that your, your sponsors want you to do it and stuff like that. But I still love that like athlete that's alone in a gym by himself, chasing down his dream or his goal in private, not posting it. It's all about his own internal battle and, and what his dream is for himself. And like, that was kind of the Rocky three with the clubber Lang. Then he loses. Then, then here comes Apollo Creed and he, 
He's going to like rework. Rocky has to like relearn everything and learn a new technique. I'm talking about it like it's real. Probably you're listening. It's like, this guy's crazy. But <laughs> as a kid, you're like, oh, man, now he's he's gone. Sylvester Stallone or Rocky has like he's learning an entire new way to fight to get that title back. So he's like reinventing himself to go get that. And then he beats him. Uh, the whole thing to me was like, and they're all jacked back then and like oiled up. And <laughs> right. And I'm a smaller kid. And I'm like, so from that point on, I was like, I wanted to be a fighter. I wanted to be a boxer for some reason. I remember trying to talk to my parents and let me do golden gloves, which they never would let me do. And I wanted to be a weightlifter and have that, like, I don't know, just like something about the muscles and the, it felt like you weren't going to get bullied and no one was going to mess with you back then. Right. That was the whole thing. So I just became obsessed with that. And then. I was maybe 13, 12 or 13. My parents had separated. My dad had moved out. And I, my dad, I convinced him to buy me a weight bench. And it was a good way. It had the Olympic bar. It was like a competition-style bench for the 80s, right? Like, I don't know mm -hmm. right. now, but it was nice. It wasn't one of the small ones you bought at Target with the cement weights. It was like a full Olympic, um, like the metal plates, 45 pounds, something like this. And I, he bought it for me and I had it in the garage. And I started at that point. I was like in seventh grade just to do – I didn't know anything to do back then, right? Like there was no – again, for the younger listeners, there was no internet. I didn't have internet till I was in college. Like I didn't have email till after college. So you just like learn by going to the store and buying a muscle and fitness magazine or a flex and from your friends at school. So we were like trying to figure out how to weightlift and bodybuild at 12, 13 years old. And it was all bench press. Like all we did was bench really pretty much bench press. Yeah. Weight set would do flat and incline and decline. I do all three. I do like the bar for like three sets of 10 on each one of those. And, and I got into it. And then um, at about 14 years old and my dad had a vending machine company. So he would go, and fill up his vending machines with soda and chips and like all over town. So in the summers I would work with him and at 14, you were allowed to join the local gym, which was called Beauvais here in Phoenix. And it was, that gym was awesome. It's gone now, but it was like a basement gym and it was all the bodybuilders in Phoenix knew about Beauvais and the professionals would come train there. You'd see professionals in there and, and I remember talking to him and if I worked in the summer, he would get me a membership there. And then we'd go after we worked all day vending and we'd go down and lift weights at Beauvais. And then I really learned about, oh, geez, like you got to do legs and like there's back and shoulders and arm work. Like being around that environment and seeing those huge dudes and, and very strong women and all the professionals in there. And like then I started to learn about real weightlifting and bodybuilding overall physique you know so i could look like rocky which i never have but that was the mindset then so that was it man from the time i was 14 or 15 i just loved lifting weights um always i just did it forever um all the way through college for about an eight to ten year period when i was building the real estate company though i just didn't work out at all like i went through 10 years of just sitting at a desk all day or being in my car or showing properties and I really, like I said earlier in the podcast, I, that's when I lost kind of my roots of like what I really loved and what I was about. And I was just pretty much doing real estate all day, very unhealthy, 
<laughs> my brother continued to lift weights forever. Like I said, he was down here doing shirts and like he knew who he was and has never lost track of who he really is and what he likes. And he's, um, yeah, much stronger all along and like how he's been. He's been the same guy from the time we were little till now. So I remember he came down to my work. I have this office over in Scottsdale and I'm doing real estate and I'm in my, I had a big office in the corner with the windows and I thought like, man, I'm really, I've made it right. Like I'm great. <laughs> right. But I was like super out of shape. I was probably like, I'm 5'10". I was probably 230 pounds, but not weightlifting 230 pounds, like 230 pounds of eating crap all day. And he comes down to my work to see me, him and um, he was with a friend of his or a girlfriend or something. I don't remember, but I know he was there and he comes in my office and I'm sitting there eating like I had gone and got like Chinese food. It's like fried chicken and fried rice. And, like, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, what's up? And he just looks at me and he was like so disgusted. And he just shakes his head. He goes, man, you've just given up. And I was probably 30. But I remember, I remember saying, man, you just given up. And I was like, what are you talking about? Mm. But um, yeah, so anyway, yeah, Rocky, uh, Lou Ferrigno, then obviously Arnold, like Terminator and Commando and those type of movies, all Predator. Those are all during that same time frame for me between the ages of maybe 10 and 20 years old, all those guys. And yeah, it just set me on this fitness track to just be really muscular and fit and and lean which I really never was I, I'm like lifetime for all you powerlifters I'm lifetime natty like even at 46 I'm I don't do any um TRT or testosterone from doctor I've always done nothing so obviously you know I mean when you see me you know that it's obvious but um yeah I never quite looked like those guys but it was all right I enjoy I just enjoy weightlifting at the time you know always yeah yeah, and it's the process. It's enjoying the process. Uh, yeah, yeah may, may not become you know. I think like Brian Shaw. I mean, is one of a kind. Four hundred and fifty pounds. You know, and sit. Mm-hmm. I, I remember when I last year. Well, not last year because it didn't happen last year. Twenty nineteen at the Arnold. He was there on like a Sunday with like Redcon or whatever. And I had a friend who was with Redcon, so he was like, "Hey, Moses, I know like Brian Shaw is like your favorite strongman. Like, we got it. We'll. I'll go get you to meet him." I was like, "Oh, there's no way." And you walk up, whatever, and I see Brian, and he was just so much bigger than oh, I thought he was going to be in real. And I'm like standing next to him, I'm not a small dude. Like, I mean, I'm six two, you know, two eighty or whatever. Yeah, you're big, but, it's, but I look tiny, and I just everyone commented, they were like, "How big is this man to make you look wow. small?" <laughs> yeah, he's six eight to like yeah. fifty. It's absurd. Like you watch he's that man try so to get into an airplane, and he's like three no, he's seats weird. wide. He's big and he's muscular. Like he's not 450, like a sloppy guy. Like he is not, he's pretty well leaned out for 450. Like he's just a big muscular dude. Yeah. That's a, that's a whole other piece. So yeah, not quite that size. You never made it quite. <laughs> that's, to- like, yeah, that's another level, man. We, we went and filmed him at his house in Colorado for a couple of days. And it was, yeah, it was, just, it's like, you're like a child. Like he is gigantic. Yeah, that's one of a kind. I don't think I'll ever quite make it to that size. I'm probably okay with that, I think. <laughs> yeah, when we train with him, he does a lot of – he started out – his story, if you've ever heard his story, he was like a college basketball player, like really good, like had a scholarship and stuff like that. And then somehow he ended up at a, a strength a strength convention with like his team or something, and they went over and some strongman-type booth had a 
I think they call it the inch barbell. It's like a, a, a grip strength type test. It's a dumbbell that sits on the ground and you got to try to pick it up. And you can't, like, you can't get your hand around it. You can't pick it up. And he went over there and picked it up. And the guy was like, holy, like, so, like very few people in the world can pick this thing up. And he did it. So anyway, when we were there filming with him, he was having us do all this saying he has that inch barbell on the ground or dumbbell. And he was like holding two plates together with one hand and like all these things we tried to do. You can't even move them off the ground. You feel so weak when he's, he like picks it right up. You just ragged all of it. So weak. I'm just going to go home. It was like embarrassing. Yeah. I need to go pick a different sport. I'll go golf and that'll be it. I'll just go. Yeah. I'll hit the links. (laughs) It was like, I've been working out my whole life and you feel like super weak. Yeah, those guys are another level. Those strong men that are elite like that, they are. That's a like I think of even you know the the friend quote unquote friendly banter between Eddie and Thor. You know, going for that five hundred and five hundred one. I'm like, you guys are fighting over five hundred one. Like, I'm just trying to pull six (laughs) hundred. It's just it's this otherworldly strength. But I mean, it's it's a it's a wonder to behold. It's crazy. I saw this article. Um, and I think powerlifting is a, that's why powerlifting is a great sport to me because the article was trying to, it was basically, it had done scientific research on when people peak in strength sports. I'm like Olympic lifting guys peak in their mid twenties, men and women, like 25, 26 It's very explosive. As you know, right. strong man was like 30 ish because again, it's a lot of strength, but they're, they're lifting stones. You're still doing a lot of movement. You're carrying things. And then powerlifting was 35, I think it said. And then it can go up to seven years past that before you really peak. So it's a sport you can do like I did up until, you know, my early – I think I was strongest. My lifts were all the strongest right in my early 40s. Yeah. So Which, why wouldn't you do a sport where you can train that well that long, right. you know? You're going, you know? Yeah, you think these NFL guys who are stuck in their 30s and they're like, I'm done. Like I got to retire. Yeah. Go to strength sports. You got another eight years in your career. Right. Yeah. So, um, I love the strength sports. Um, we didn't touch on it, but before I did the, the way I got back into shape from the days of real estate eating fried chicken in my office, when I, was <laughs> when, I came up, I when the economy collapsed, I started having terrible anxiety because I'm just at home at night. I'm, I know I got to go in the next day and like close a different office or fire different people or how am I going to make the bill? So it was like very stressful and my anxiety was like off the chart. So I just started going out at night and running. I would just run like, and I've never run in my life, even in all this weightlifting and I had swam competitively all the way through high school. I was never a runner though. And I built up to like, oh, I can run a mile. Oh, my gosh, I can run two miles. And I pretty much got into doing marathons. And I did several ultra marathons. And I really had like – so I dropped a lot of weight then and got myself at least physically back in shape before my brother and I started to do the heavy weight lifting again. So I'm a big – like running's another sport to me that you can do for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. Especially right now, people during COVID when we're all been in quarantine, maybe you can't get to the gym. I mean you put on a pair of shoes and go out the front door – you're good. Like you don't need anything else. It's pretty much a pure sport. Um, so all those type of things, anything physical like that, that you can do into your, cause now I'm middle age, right? 46. Like I start looking at what can I do when I'm 56 and 66 still? Cause I, you want to be active. Like I just enjoy the, the, you know, being active and being athletic. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I, I remember my dad was a marathon runner. Uh, okay. so he, uh, there's, there's a picture of when, you know, I was still just a, a young pup back when I was very small, before I had my massive size spurt of me in a stroller. 
I think he ran like a 10K pushing me in a stroller and still ran it faster than I think I've ever run a 10K. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of his kind of thing, but it is. It's something he could do forever. The man, I mean, I I, I mock him because he won't get into the gym and train like I will. But I mean, in his late 50s, the man hiked up to base camp at Mount Everest. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, so I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> right. like that in itself. I'm like, that's, dude. I'm like, that's the powerlifting mentality. I'm like, go do it. Like, who told you you can't? Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Which so actually cool. leads me totally straight into this next thing that I've actually been super amped to talk about, which are some of these top phrases. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the eight man kind of got famous for. Obviously, I've got my only forward shirt on. This first shirt I ever got from eight man. It was like the one that really spoke to me. Okay. But I know Lift Angry was the first one y'all ever came out with. Right. Uh, and so I kind of wanted to run through a few of these and see, you know, people can hear Lift Angry and they think, man, is this guy just going to go be a dick in the gym? And I know that's not the mindset behind the Lift Angry. So I wonder if you could walk through that yeah. for a minute here. So funny because my brother thought I was crazy when I made him put that on a shirt. And it was just a shirt for me. So – Again, during that time we touched on it earlier, I'm going through this financial hardship. And I'm sure a lot of people are in that right now because their business has been closed down, right? So there's a lot of people in that same spot that we were in in 08 that were in real estate. It was really frustrating and I was angry at a lot. Just You're just angry. You don't know who to be angry at, right? You're just mad in your life because it's not working out the way you want it to. You have all this pressure and anxiety. It's just, it's just an unhappy time for me. So Coming down here again with my brother and we started to do weightlifting and really it was kind of – really I'd say the deadlift is the best lift for me where you can just let it all out and, yeah. and really unleash your anger that you're holding on and your rage. Power by rage is another one. And so I'm down here lifting what I would call angry. And I'm not an angry guy in life. Anyone that knows me, well, they might tell you I'm a dick sometimes. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just matter of fact and like – you know what I mean? Like, I guess sometimes that rubs people the wrong way it can. But anyway, I'm like, Noah, like I need – we were we used to have the 8-Man logo on some of our shirts. We were messing around. We hadn't really sold anything yet. I go, I need a Lift Angry shirt. Like I'm all about – like I'm yelling. Before I deadlift, I'm screaming. I'm de- screaming while I'm deadlifting. And it's probably like 300 pounds. It's not like I'm deadlifting 800 pounds here. <laughs> sure. And so I did this Lift Angry on a shirt and – um. He put it on there. He didn't even wear one. He thought he's like super calm, my brother, and just different mentality, like I said, than me. So he just thought you're like crazy. So I started wearing this shirt and I'd wear it around, right? Like just out and about. I'd the only one in the world. And people would comment, like, oh, that's an awesome shirt. Like people just you'd see at the store or whatever I was. So I go, Noah, like, people like this shirt, man. We should really put this on a shirt. So in my phone, I probably still have the note. I I I would go on walks and I would start to write down phrases. And so at that time, I already had the lift anger in a shirt. I came up with powered by rage. And it was like, I had a lot of different, like enraged. I had a lot of different things going on, but we settled on powered by rage. And then I had destruction forces growth. Cause again, that can be a metaphor in the gym. Obviously you tear down your muscles and it rebuilds stronger in your life. Things get torn down. You got to rebuild them. Um, brutality builds strength, same type of concept. You can't go in there and just do five pushups and leave. You have to like brutally same thing in life. Some of the brutal situations build strength later on. So those are some of the original phrases. It was all kind of built around this brutality and anger and destruction and rage. And that's where I was mentally, um, at the time. And then we started putting those on shirts. Well, as you start to come out of that 
financial hardship for myself as eight man starts to take off and grow. Well, now my mentality starts to elevate and change. Right. So I just kind of started and my brother's influential in this too, because him and I talk deeply about just life ideas and your energy as a person and attracting positive things and, you know, like deeper things about life than just weightlifting. So him and I start talking. So we're kind of like bringing everyone on this journey that we're on with the shirt phrasing. So again, it's like lift angry, power by rage, destruction, blah, blah, blah. Then the next shirt that we came up with that I wrote was the rebirth shirt. And the rebirth shirt was the first time we put out an actual quote with the shirt. So it wasn't just rebirth on the shirt. I wrote like this, well, I, I don't consider it poetry. It doesn't rhyme, but like this poetic type thing about it's not just lifting weights for people. It's really a shedding of who they were and a rebirth into something better for themselves. And like I wrote this quote, we did the rebirth shirt. And again, struck a new, a new marketer, people in a different place. Cause I just, I see now strength or even life as like this cycle that you're on. Right. And so you kind of go from this angry place and all of a sudden you realize, man, that's like a rebirth of myself now. Like I'm starting to feel better and come out of it. And then I, we got into this now not looking back and like holding on to those type of negative things that went on. Cause some people get stuck in that little loop of I'm always angry or I'm always whatever like happened in my past. Like I can't get over it. So that's where the one you're wearing only forward came from. I started to write down this quote or these thoughts again, this little poetic thought about you got to move forward in your life. You have to constantly, you know, go forward. So the only forward came and then it got even deeper. Like why are we even doing all this? Like, okay, we're all building this strength and we're trying to build a lot of people are maybe focused on other things like material positions, like wealth and, and uh, cars or whatever. And like, what's the whole purpose of all that in the end? Because like you said earlier with the, with the fuck your elbow speech, we're all going to die at some point And then what? So, okay. Mm-hmm. It's great to achieve. I'm all about like, can you be the strongest, best version of yourself while you're here? Yes. But really, I'm like, you got to, when you're doing that, are you really building, I guess what you would call your soul, right? Your energy inside. Cause I feel like that goes on after you're gone. Like people have a soul and have life after death for themselves. Some people don't believe in that. And I'm, none of us know, right? Like no one really knows. So I'm not one sure. like if you're atheist or you're agnostic or you're super religious, like awesome. Like whatever you believe, like live it kind of is my mentality. So for me, I go really make sure that when you're doing these things and the strength training, are you building like a better version of yourself internally too? What are you doing with this? And then the 21 gram shirt came out because I read this study. So funny because that shirt gets the most hate. I don't know if it's hate, but anyway, the study was this, this scientist way back a hundred years ago had measured people as they were dying and they on average lost 21 grams when they died. And so he determined the human soul weighs 21 grams, whatever. It's like a theory or a, there's a deeper meaning there besides, is that actually fact or reality? But when you put that shirt, when I put it out, you always get the people that want to like scientifically tell you (laughs) the soul doesn't really weigh 21 pounds. I'm like, you're like missing kind of the overall point of really, just bettering yourself is really so anyway we went to the 21 grams then we did i think i kind of went into the strong love i don't know if you know that shirt so that's really about 
again, I've gone from this anger and hatred and rage to like this love because that's the like we talked about. You have to like your dad loves. He's he's still hiking and running. Like you have to love the process and what you're doing for you to continue to do it because. If you don't love weightlifting and you're only in there because you're in an angry spot in your life and then you're trying to unleash it and so much better to unleash those type of things running or in the gym or whatever than it is to self-destruct through alcohol and drug use and things like this, which is what other people do. Or they take it out on people in their lives and hurt people around them. So much better to internally go somewhere and release it in a positive way for yourself. But once you're through that anger and hatred and rage, if you don't love weightlifting or running or cycling or fighting, that's it. Like you're going to stop doing it. So like really to have strong love for something, for the people around you, to be motivated by love is really more of a lasting motivation, I feel. So then I like the shirts went into like this strong love. And like I said, 21 grams. And so it's kind of been this um, – progression of my mentality as a person and my brother's mentality to like, we just keep putting out in shirts. And then the beautiful thing about that to me is it's like this cycle of strength or understanding of yourself, but there's people that are in every phase of it all the time. Mm-hmm. There's newbies that are coming away with you and they're in an angry place, right? Something happened to them. We get so many messages from people that are coming to terms with maybe childhood abuse, whether it be sexual, physical, or mental bullying. There are people that coming out of like they got cancer or some type and they're they're angry about that or they're just trying to get stronger. So like you have people always coming into that initial phase of just like this rage or anger about something and they're using weightlifting or working out as a, as a positive outlet for that. And then hopefully – they continue to do it and you kind of move through this cycle where you become better internally for it, right? The suffering and all these things make you stronger and give you more understanding and make you more sympathetic to people that are maybe back to the start of that cycle. And then the ultimate goal would be that you then go back and help those people you see that are struggling or in a bad place and you like introduce them into weightlifting or whatever you're into. You don't have your weightlifting, you're into yoga or whatever the physical activity is and you help kind of people through that cycle. That's really the whole process of, I guess, the eight-man brand. And now I'm going on and on here because I get passionate about this. So kind of our whole thing was finding strong, right? Like strong has many forms. We kept we say that's, that's our tagline because, again, mm-hmm. when we started, people associated with powerlifting, and I would get these messages on our Instagram and places like, I love your brand, but I'm not physically strong enough to wear it yet. And I thought, man, that's really mm-hmm. – that's awesome that you think you have to be super physically strong to wear the brand. I'm glad you associate it that way, but there are way more strengths in life and maybe far more important strengths as a person than just physical strength. So then we share this whole, you have to find your own strong, whatever that is, right? Finding strong. That's, that's um, our foundation we started. And it's one of our main themes is finding your own strength and then just recently, we kind of are starting to evolve it into now that you've found maybe your strength, you have to be, be, be the strong, meaning it's great to know you're strong in something, but if you don't really develop it and live it, like what, what's the point then? So I don't know. I'm just constantly deep thinking about strength in life and really using it in a way that's positive for people that you care about, you love, maybe people that don't even know you, but you inspire as a person. Because we all inspire people. You don't have to be the rock to inspire people. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
I'll see someone on Instagram going through something really hard or fighting cancer and, or a kid that's gone, a kid that's gone through something. And it's super inspiring as a person. You're like, damn, the human spirit is amazing. Like the fight that you have when you really unleash it and have confidence in yourself is incredible. Yeah. Well, and I think, uh, well, there's two things. One, uh, obviously you mentioned be the strong today's obviously the launch of the breast cancer awareness shirts. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is a plug for everyone that's listening to this. Mm-hmm. They'll probably be sold out by the time that I launch this, but if they aren't sold out, $5 of every shirt is going towards breast cancer research. Right. Uh, so make sure you go and pick up one of those. But what I think of is, um, the kid who saved uh, his sister from the dog. Oh yeah. Uh, Richard. Just, uh, just unbelievable braver like that that like that's the core like that's humanity yeah. and it's just so beautiful because especially in kids like i work with kids i work with youth services doing after school stuff and i think it's just so refreshing for me as like the big power lifter that's like two times the size of an average human to be working with third graders mm-hmm. because those third grade they're just so innocent like everything i do they're just like they're they're in awe by everything right. so and it's open. just it is it's back to that those 21 grams maybe it's 22 maybe it's 20 whatever <laughs> of, um of it's just it's the purity of the soul of just no i want to i want to better the world i want to learn i want to save i want to engage and i mean it's beautiful it really right. is yeah 100% and i think what i mean things right now as you see are so People are, I think we've been quarantined. It's just like coming to a head where everyone's fighting with each other and and, mm-hmm. and all this strife between people. And man, I just feel though like nine out of 10 people in the world, like really want the best for each other. Yeah. There's always one guy that's like, you know, an ass and <laughs> get a lot of the attention and they can cause a lot of havoc between everybody. But man, nine out of 10 of us, we just want the best for the people around us, for people in this country, for – doesn't matter to me like your gender, your race, your religion, your national origin. Like I don't really care. Like if you want – if you're pursuing your best life and you are really passionate about that, I want that for you. That's really – I think nine out of ten of us feel that way. I just wish that we could – we had more of a voice I guess than the, than the one out of ten that's like – just angry. They need to get the, in the gym and let that anger out. Me and yeah, exactly. The loud minority that we need to get into the gym because they'd probably be great athletes if they channeled it, you know, the right way. But, and, and I am always, and of course this year, I mean, it's the, the running joke has been, it feels like someone's playing with a Jumanji board, yeah, you know, right. <laughs> over earth and every month it's something, you know, something else. But I, I, I am hopeful that, you know, I, I think of the endure this night shirt, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, the night ends like the night doesn't always just does. continue. The dark phase doesn't right. always continue. It ends like there's a point in which you come out the other side. Yep. And, I, and I'm I'm hoping that people are starting to realize that there is another end. You know, coronavirus is going to end. Someone is going to be elected president. It's right. going to be someone. It's not like no one's going to get elected. Right. You know, the fires in California are going to go out. Like all of this stuff is going to move on just like we always have as humans. Right. But I think social media has done that dangerous thing of this loud minority of asses has become just pronounced and elevated. And so no one's thinking about the positivity anymore. Yeah. We got to stay positive with each other because again, the middle of everyone, I think the middle of us is like, yeah, you just want the best for people. And yeah, I mean, we're not a political company at all, so I don't even get into the politics, but I just think overall as people like 
you got to yeah, you got to focus on your what you can do, like what you can do for other people. What you're if you're following your love and your passion, you're going to inspire people around you. You're going to be happy. You're going to want them to follow their passion and their love. And so, I think if by focusing, I guess, on your own goals and dreams and not in a selfish manner, I think you just naturally want to bring everyone else along with you on whatever there doesn't have to be your same goal. doesn't have to be that at all. In fact, it's better when it's not because then we're all different, right? We all have different things that we're good at and different things that we're doing for the world. So yeah, man, I just, that's one of the things with our brand is like follow your, your goal and your dream and just go do it, whatever it is. It doesn't matter as long as you're passionate about it. Um, and you, and you live it, you're, you're going to be happy. And then the people around you are going to be happy because of it. Yeah. Also kind of, we've, we've talked past, we've talked present, you know, mm-hmm. kind of looking at the future a little bit, you know, as we've kind of brushed on, you know, what is, I'm sure, I mean, obviously you're always coming out with new stuff. You know, eight man is, it, you're only getting started as far as you guys are concerned. What's, what's kind of the vision even for the future, not even just the company, but how I know you guys for the current every year, we're always providing singlets for those athletes and you're looking for people who are really representing the brand and, and making sure those people do feel encouraged and empowered. What's the hope for the industry as a whole and how you guys can continue empowering and encouraging them? Well, for the industry. So I talk about this a lot and I'm talking about a lot of different people. I feel like powerlifting is such powerlifting specifically is such a great sport. Um, but it's not mainstream. And maybe some of us in parts don't even want to mainstream. Like you talked about, it's cool that it's like kind of this basement crowd and it's like its own little thing. But I always talk about, man, if we could present the sport in a live feed or in a production and really – you can't have a live feed that's eight hours long. No one's going to watch it. Like how right. – how do you streamline maybe events? Maybe it's one weight class at a time. I don't really know. I don't think anyone has the answer. We'd be doing it already. But – can you make an event that's maybe two or three hours long that's like for the viewer that doesn't understand powerlifting, first you'd have to come out and explain what powerlifting is. They don't even know the three lifts and you get three attempts and the rules. It really, I guess our production as a sport of the sport needs to catch up is really what we talk about all the time. So the presentation of these events, how can we make it better? The events themselves, even me that loves powerlifting to, to go there and be there for eight hours. And like, it's a lot and it's bench press time. So everyone goes and gets lunch at that point. Right. And no one wants to watch really the bench. So I don't know. It's like, so there's things that you can do that make the sport more mainstream. Uh, I don't even know, accepted, like loved, like we all love it. But again, then you start bringing in what, what, what I guess now would be called the casuals. And then mm-hmm. it ruins a sport for people that really are all about it. So I don't really know the answer there. Um, how to, but I think about it a lot. Like how can we really bring this? Cause I tell people all the time how great powerlifting is, but unless you like really live it and train it and want to do it, like you don't get it maybe sometimes. So I really feel though, like overall as a brand, yeah, our messaging, again, we started the foundation working with kids it's to really give people an outlet. I feel like when you're young and stuff happens, usually most of our anger or rage that we get in a powerlifting probably comes from something traumatic that happened to us when we were very young. Mm-hmm. And some of these young kids that, again, the messages that we get are usually some type of I was bullied, I was sexually abused. I, you know, it's something very awful that happened to a kid young, and then they don't know how to deal with that. And so, 
they start on this road again, like I said, of self-destructive behavior. You're in pain as a child. You don't have an outlet for it. You don't understand it. You feel weak and vulnerable. You start to self-medicate very young with things like drinking, marijuana, maybe worse things than that, or you're, you become violent yourself, right? You're acting out as a kid. You're, you're committing crimes. Uh, that. So our thinking of a brand with that, with the foundation is can we sir, can we get in there young when these kids are troubled or at risk or something's happened and really help them find their worth and their strength through some type of sport. It doesn't even have to be powerlifting. Like I said, maybe they want to do MMA. Maybe they want to be wrestler. Maybe they want to run like I love to run. Maybe they want to, whatever it is. But I feel like some kids, when you can channel that, anger and frustration that they have in that pain into something positive like that, it starts to build their self-confidence again. They start to find self-worth, which has been stripped from them from some of these abuses. And then they become really super productive people in society where they come. And again, it's a cycle, right? Now they're adults and they come back and they start helping kids. And pretty soon as a whole, we kind of have a a therapy for people that's really about finding your own self-worth that maybe keeps people out of some of these dark cycles that they go into. I don't, that's the hope as, as a brand, but doing that on a large scale, it's hard. It's like work every day, right? It's like one little, one person at a time you help. And then pretty soon you have a movement. Yeah. Yeah. That it's, it's the day in, it's the day. It's the same way as strength training. You know, people right. see someone pull a world record, you know, you see someone like Yuri Belkin, come out of nowhere, train three months out of the year and pull uh, upwards of 900 pounds. You're like, oh my gosh, how did he do that? And it's like every single day he's, he's, he's doing, he's grinding, he's training, he's eating, he's sleeping. And it's the same with a foundation. It's one relationship at a time, you know, and it's people want to jump to the end goal. Everyone wants to be the radical movement. Everyone wants to be Martin Luther King Jr. You know, but nobody wants to have to grind every single day to get to that point. And I think that's what's, it's the process that actually, develops you you know yeah yeah i said that all the time i was i was telling that to someone yesterday because i was out on so i'm training again for this another 100 mile run like i had tried to do it i went 100k i went into rhabdo kidney failure ended up in the icu this was like eight years ago now and i quit running i started powerlifting right right after that but recently i go i'm gonna i still want to do 100 miles in 24 hours that's really the goal so I started training for this hundred mile again, right? And it's difficult. I'm coming out of powerlifting for four or five years. I'm like running every day. So I'm having these injury problems and pain and hip issues and my my calf. And so I'm running and I'm like in total pain yesterday. I keep having to stop every quarter mile to stretch and like, am I gonna be able to finish a run? And then I like just to myself, I said like, this is what I'm in it for. Like, obviously, to do 100 miles in 24 hours, it's about the suffering. It's about how much suffering can you endure and what's on the other side of that and what what kind of strength and understanding about yourself comes through surviving that pain, that pain period, right? So on that run, I just started telling myself, like, this is what I'm here for. I'm here for the suffering. Like, let me see what I'm made of as a person just for me. I'm telling you the story now, but I wasn't doing it to, like, tell people the story. I just – and man, I tell you what, like I started, like I started running better and like, I started like not feeling the pain so much. And I started like telling myself like, yeah, I, 
I like it. Like, it's good. Like, this is what I want to figure out about myself. Like, how far can you go? And it's like that in everything in life, whether it's a terrible breakup and you're super depressed or someone in your life passes away and you lose them or like you've gone through an illness. Like, the real key is, and I feel like your life is really trying to test yourself and figure out like how much can you endure the night like we talked about endure this night like if you can get through that that night every time like how much stronger are you how much more understanding do you have about yourself how much more useful are you to your kids and people around you to give them advice later in life so yeah i'm here for i told the guy well i'm here for the suffering man because my the guy helped me coach and doing he goes we got to back off and i'm like nah i'm not back like this is what i'm doing it for to like to go through this, like, what's the point? If it's easy, it's no, there's no reward at the end. Mm. It's really hard. And you've been in pain, like for a year training and you finally complete that goal, like complete the hundred miles in 24 hours, man, now it means something. If I could just run a hundred miles and it never hurt. And I, Oh yeah, it was easy. Like, I'm, well, so what then? Like, who cares? There's no real joy to me internally for that. Like I want to suffer on some level, which is crazy. Because yeah. someone else told me that I go, I told, I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, I think like my life, like I, he goes, what if everything was just easy? Like, what if you just, everything just worked now at eight man and it wasn't a struggle and there was, I go, I don't think I'd like that. Like, I feel like the soul and the spirit of a person, it longs for the fight. It likes the challenge. It wants to overcome. So I go, if I don't have a challenge or suffering or pain, like, I feel like I would be uninspired as a person. Like, what do I just want to hang out all day and be like relaxed? Like that doesn't sound. It sounds awful. It sounds yeah. That's <laughs> not good for a day to get a rest day. Like I get like taking a break, but that doesn't sound like a worthwhile life. I said, man, why why you're alive? Be alive. Go out there and take things down and like go through some pain and see what you're made of. And man, that's what that's where, that's where all the rewards are to me. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but. As long as I believe it, then it's true, right? For myself. So, you know, it's ironic timing, or maybe it isn't ironic. Maybe it's divine providence. Who knows? But literally, right after we finished, I sent you all the info yesterday. I was like, man, like, I need to go pick up a new eight man t shirt. So I went on and literally picked up the Suffering Unleashes Greatness shirt. So you're like, man, I'm suffering. And I was like, I bought that 12 hours ago. So. It's cr- like the, sometimes I feel like the universe gives you signs. So I'm on that run. I text my coach at a water break. I go, I'm in terrible pain. He's like, stop. I go, dude, I'm here for the suffering. Like I'm not stopping. Like I'm going to finish my uncle. Who's a religious person out of the blue. Like in the, like a, 10 minutes later, man, he sends me some Bible verse on suffering. And like, it was like a suffering Bible verse. And I was like, oh, like it was so weird to me. Like, that's just not a coincidence. Like that's a sign. Like, yeah, you're onto something for yourself. So um, that's another thing. I feel like if you're on the right path and you're open to it and your energy is right, you will have signs along the way that like, this is your purpose, whatever it is. This is like, you're on the right path or you're not on the right path. Maybe maybe the signs are the opposite, but I feel like I get signs a lot of times like that, which are just random occurrences. Maybe a lot of people would ignore them and not be, not even recognize them, but I feel like you should really keep your eyes open of those type of things because they're out there for you. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, well, that, well, that kind of answers the faith question. I was literally just going <laughs> to jump into, you know, that's, that's perfect. Um, well, kind of the, the last question I love asking people, and this has kind of been the, the quirky part of the podcast is this French toast part. Uh, okay. you know, I, was, I remember chatting with, with Andrew Herbert 
and he goes, man, you know, I'm just, I'm a breakfast nut. I'm just, I am an absolute breakfast fanatic. And of course his answer was French toast. So I make the joke. If people ever say that the answer is French toast, that they're sucking up to the podcast. But if that's the honest answer, that's the honest answer. (laughs) That's good. Okay, great. So the, the question I ask people is, you know, if there was one breakfast food, you just couldn't live without. Doesn't matter if it fits into some nutrition scheme. It could be fried chicken for all I care. Right. What is the breakfast food that holds the Mecca? Well, I'm going to give you two answers. Okay. So first for me now, like I have to have eggs. I love eggs. I feel like the protein, I feel like it's a perfect meal, especially after a run or something that I've done in the morning. Cause I do two training sessions now a day for this whole thing. I do a run and then I have this whole strength training session in the afternoon. So like the eggs for me are a number, like I have to have eggs in the morning. That's my go-to if I'm out of eggs or don't have if I, if I have oatmeal or like French toast or pancakes with no protein like that, oh, forget it, man. Like I, my day is off. So for me, eggs. I have to have eggs for breakfast. As a kid, so as a kid growing up, once my parents separated, my mother was working. She had two of us, me and my brother, right? So every morning for breakfast, she would get up before us, before we had to go to school. She would go to Jack in the Box. She would get us cheeseburgers and French fries and Cokes every single day from probably the time I was in sixth grade through high school. And that's what I had for breakfast every day was two cheeseburgers, fries, and a Coke <laughs> right? from Jack in the Box. So still to me, I crave like a cheeseburger in the morning or fries or – I don't drink any soda. I only drink water and coffee at this point. But – a Coke. Like I still, I guess, looking back outside of the eggs, like my whole life was a Coke, cheeseburger and fries for breakfast, which sounds crazy. And she was a crazy breakfast person because the other thing she would make us before when she, when they were still married and she would make breakfast was grilled cheese. I always think of grilled cheese as a breakfast food, which I'm told is like a lunch sandwich. I had no idea my whole life. I thought it was breakfast. She would make us a cheese crisp or like a quesadilla nachos like all these weird things that were (laughs) and that was what we grew up on cheese crisps grilled cheese or jack-in-the-box then after that as breakfast food so i never until i was an adult really had a normal breakfast with eggs and pancakes we never had that i never had that wow you know i i always i tell people i said man like some point someone's answer is going to take the cake is the strangest thing i've heard for breakfast (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I never, I never thought I'd get cheeseburgers, fries, and a Coke. <laughs> I worked at the pool as a lifeguard in high school, and we'd have to start at like seven a.m. and clean the pool before it opened and do swim lessons, like we teach kids swim lessons. So I would show up there with my bag of like Jack in the Box, a cheeseburger, and a Coke, at like seven a.m. Like the other kids that I worked with were like, "What the hell is wrong with you?" I was like, oh. <laughs> "You're like, this is what we're all eating, right?" What's the problem? Like, it's just good food man so like yeah people think i'm crazy but i'm still all about like i would still do that now i don't think yeah that's probably not the best food to have for especially french fries and a coke that's probably not the best thing to start your day with i'm still around beef i think that's still all right but anyway yeah man i guess jack-in-the-box cheeseburgers might be my real answer if i really think about it that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I think I think you take the number one spot on yeah, that. Yeah, I like to be number one. That's perfect. That's awesome. Well, you know, last thing I got for you, uh, just I mean, I know obviously I just the thing with the breast cancer awareness shirts are coming out and all that. Uh, what what can people kind of expect? I know you've got a couple things coming down the pipeline right now, just as they kind of look at products and look at what's coming for the fall. Well, you know, so we've been – we're always trying to develop the line more than just the T-shirts and we do squat shorts now. We've developed some of the stuff with our factories overseas. But 
I'd like to do way more of that as a brand. Like we, we'd like to have socks. We already have some underwear. I'd like to do more underwear, pants, shorts, like really round out the apparel line because I feel like, yeah, I feel like we've done really well as an apparel brand, especially being new and we've maintained for several years, like our growth, but to really compete at the next level and really be, I mean, you have to have a full array of products. So the problem has been, and people maybe don't realize that unless you're in this line of work, is this these quarantines and this coronavirus has really shut down all countries. And so to get product out of like Asia and some of our factories overseas, they just aren't in production. Like we're out of mm. shirts. We can't get um, different materials. Something that would take a month takes four. So it's really hindered our growth this year on some of the things that I really wanted to do. The other thing that we've just started to develop at the beginning of the year was a men's grooming line. So like shampoo, shaving cream, body wash. I went through this process of finding this natural um, a factory that does like natural products. There's not a lot of chemicals and things like that. Then we went through this whole process of finding like the right scent that was like masculine for, you know, the, for the men, cause it's really a men's grooming line right now. And the right consistency that I like the way the hair, like it's crazy to do something new like that. Does the, you don't realize it cause you buy it at the store, but when you're making it yourself, like, does it lather up properly? Can I smell it when I'm done? Is my hair lot? Like it's crazy. So found up, like sign up on all the products but I can't get the containers again overseas. Mm. So you want a certain like, okay, I'm going to do my body wash in a 12 ounce bottle. I can't get the bottles I want. I can't get the shaving cream um, uh, can. I can't like, so now this whole thing that I had, I wanted to launch for right now around November and December, like our black Friday sale and Christmas. I can't even, I got the product developed and I don't have the packaging. So again, the, this, this quarantine, even outside of the U.S., even what what maybe they're telling you from these other countries, like, oh, we're great. We're back up and running. I'm telling you we're not in a lot of places because I can't get product in shirts or in, like I said, the bottles right now. So I know that just like I'm hoping that eventually, like we said, endure this night, you come out the other end and we normalize and I can get back to some of this stuff we want to get producing. But for right now, things have just kind of been on hold. Like for literally – since March, other than maybe a month of that time, it has been me and my brother completely alone running the entire company here. Wow. Yeah. So in March in Arizona, they quarantined and they said, except for non-essential business, workers have to work from home. Okay. Well, we do production here. So we have printers printing shirts all day. We do shipping here. So we have someone shipping out the product to everyone because we try to ship same day. It's kind of one of our things. Well, you can't do that stuff from home, right? But I have to have my workers at home. So I sent everybody home and it was just me and my brother. So we run all the social media. My brother does all the shirt designs. We've been printing while we can, like throughout the day, an hour or two here and there. And we've been shipping. So we started running low on inventory. We started getting the messages from people. God bless them. They love eight man, but they're like, you're out of everything. What, what's going cool? Like, you know, I'm like, it's kind of a pandemic. And like, <laughs> you don't tell them that because you're appreciative that they love eight men so much and they want the product, but that's really the answer. It's like, we can only do so much in a day, the two of us. So we've been shipping. And so we did that for probably two months before 
Arizona was like, all right, we can go back to work. So then we brought our printers back and we were like excited, right? They start to print all day again, like eight hours a day. We're running shirts and we're starting to fill up our inventory and be able to bring out new designs and new product. Well, then our lead printer, his brother came down with COVID mm. and he had been with him. So he comes in on a Monday, I want to say. No. Wednesday came in on a Wednesday. And he goes, I was with my brother this weekend, and now my brother tested positive for COVID. So my brother and I are like, oh, my God. Like, back then, we were, I, I, I still don't want to catch it. I don't want to get sick at all. I'm in the training. I'm running, I'm running the business. Like, you don't want to get sick at all. But at that point, no one even knew really how right. it was for any age group. So I was re- like, we were really nervous, really eight man of us, but we were very nervous. So <laughs> I was like, okay, go home immediately. I sent him home. I sent the other printer home. I sent our dad. Our dad comes down here. He's retired, but he likes to come down here and hang out and catch shirts off the dryer and help. So I sent my dad home again. Now it's just me and my brother, right? This was on a Wednesday. My printer goes and gets tested. He's negative. I'm like, all right. I go, just like, Let's just wait, right? I'm going to like leave you out of here for another. So I leave everyone out of there. Monday, I text everyone. He's like, I still feel pretty good. I'm like, all right, let's just give it like a full week. So Wednesday, I'm going to check in with you again. Sure enough, dude. Wednesday, he's like, I'm not feeling so well. And I text him. Goes and gets tested. Positive. Mm. Ends up in the hospital. He's my age, 45, I want to say. Ends up in the hospital for like two weeks, man. Like couldn't. He couldn't even walk. He'd be out of breath. He was he was aching. Like they gave him the um the blood transfer where they give him the blood of the antibodies from someone else. Whatever I don't know what that therapy is, but so again, like I'm like that's it. So we had him all out here for another month straight because we were worried. So there's another month of my brother and I doing all the shipping, all the production, all the social media posting, all the answering email questions, like everything. And then just probably two weeks ago, we were able to finally bring our full staff back in again. We'll see how this goes. But we've tried to socially distance even here because of this whole thing to keep production going and be able to bring out as much as possible. So they're in the back area. They're kind of sectioned off from us. The front has its own like sliding door. So we're up front. They come in a different entrance. So we've kind of got our group segmented again. So I just, you know, my dad's older. Again, his gender, he doesn't care though. He's like out at Costco, he's out at restaurants. I go, man, like you're the risky, but they don't, they're like, I'm not going to live my life like, you know, like this. So I'm trying to protect him the best I can because he doesn't want to protect himself. So it's been like a whole thing here internally. But yeah, man, we have not had a day off in since March. And I like would come down here during the whole quarantine, which is really weird to come down here in quarantine because there's no one on the freeways, there's no one down here. We would lock the front door so no one would come in, like trying to, because we have to stay safe and healthy so we can continue to ship out our product and produce and run our business. Because if we get sick, what well, you know, people order shirts and they don't get shipped out. It's not good. So, um, yeah, it's been a crazy year that way. But hey, that's a blessing to be able to work every day, though. Like at least the business is yeah. gone and we have orders coming in. Um, that's been really remarkable. I'm really happy about that because. When COVID first hit in March, if you remember, and they started shutting down the country, there was like two or three days where just we had zero orders, which is like never happened. So I was like, oh, it felt like the real estate market all over again to me. I was like, oh my gosh, like 
this is like, it just shut down everything up. And then for whatever reason, like after that first week of everyone started like ordering online again and living their lives, I guess, as best they could from home. And like our business picked back up, but man, for a second there, I was like, this is not going to be good. But yeah, you know, we've continued it even when they were home that entire time, everyone got paid and we've continued to operate and keep them at least, um, on payroll and things like that. Cause it's not their fault. They have to be at home. Like it's my choice to send them home. So anyway, that's been the whole thing with the quarantine. And I wish that, um, we could have done more new designs and new products and different things this year, but it's just not really happening. Like I wanted to, but whatever, you know, I just like, yeah. you got to push through. We do. We do. Yeah. I remember when everything shut down, it was the, my 22nd birthday was March 12th. Okay. And so March 12th, everyone's like starting to be like, wait, like schools were shutting down. They weren't going to be coming back. And of course I was a senior in college and I'm like, man, like sick birthday. Like, I guess like the world's ending. And then the next day it just all shut down. Yeah. And so it's like, I remembered my birthday that night um, was my last night on campus. I went out with some friends, you know, Texas roadhouse, my, uh, my go-to I'm, I'm outing myself here is every year I get a steak. That's the equal amount of ounces as years that I've been alive. And I'm seeing how long, right? So I'm seeing how long I can keep that up. Now I'm I'm coming up to that pretty fast, <laughs> but it's been so. But you know, we we leave that Texas Roadhouse. We're saying goodbye. We're leaving for spring break. I said goodbye to those dudes, and it's haunted me, man. Because I'm like, that was it. Like it was literally it, and no one had any idea that that was the last day we were on campus. You guys all graduated then after that. We never had a graduation. Oh my god, that sucks. So, which sucks. Like it was just like this weird, like online Zoom classroom for the next, you know, three months. Right. But it is. It was just like it was that rant. Just very quickly, it just all just stopped. And it's so weird. Like you said, there's three days of no orders. Like it was just weird. There's just yeah. the world just stood still for a couple of days and everyone's like, right. what do we do? Yeah. But, yeah. That's terrible, man. I thought about that. Cause I thought, what if you're a senior in high school last year, you don't get a prom, you don't get a graduation or even the beginning of this year looked iffy. Like what if you're a senior and you left, you're like, you're a football guy. You don't get to play your senior year of football at all. It's just, a, that would be awful. Like that's something you remember the rest of your life, your senior year of high school or college for you. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, but you know, at the same time, like it is what like we move forward. Right. You know, you're you can't you can't stop. I'm, I'm wearing the shirt. I gotta say it. You know, we <laughs> we have to move forward. But right. anyway, so with that, folks, you know, this has just been uh, you know a great conversation with Adam for Eight Man Strong. Uh, you can of course head over to eightmanstrong.com and go pick up you know whatever limited inventory. Go ahead and wipe them all out. Get them all the way to zero. Uh, and of course, you can find them on Instagram at eight man. Well, folks, this was just a great conversation with Adam at 8 Man Strong. You can, of course, find them on Instagram at 8 Man Strong. Uh, if you love that episode and you're craving a little bit more from me in the podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify at Faith Fitness and French Toast. Or you can visit us on Instagram at Faith Fitness Podcast for full interviews, trailers, and more for upcoming episodes. We've got two episodes left for this season, so don't forget to turn on those post notifications to find out when they are because I haven't officially announced those release dates yet, Uh, and make sure to stay connected on your platform of choice to be the first to hear about guest announcements for season five, as well as our top secret guest for the season finale. But with that, I'm Moses Allwood. Thanks as always for listening. I'll see you next week with Kaylee Borges.